Hi, my name is Jennifer. My name is Lisa. Welcome. And we are here to talk about women in the workplace. Oh, yes. That global zeitgeist that just keeps giving. Is it zeitgeist or zeitgeist? I think it's zeit. Zeit is very German. Zeitgeist. I love that word. I know a lot of people are bothered by it. You know who really doesn't like it is David Sedaris. If you use that word in his presence, he won't speak to you. Do you know that he actually doesn't really like sugar cookies either? I'm not surprised. He had some pretty scarring experiences around the holidays. So, I mean, sugar cookies and snowflakes would probably be tip top of his no thanks list. I had a friend who met him at a book signing and he asked her what she gave away for presents. And he, she said that she baked sugar cookies for her friends. And he, t- he, in a very stern voice, said, you're part of the problem. Oh, wow. And basically dismissed her. That's amazing. It's oh, so he good. feeling a little low, but also I know that one time he said to a woman, "How do you feel about mon- How do you feel about monkeys?" And she said, "Oh, can you smell them on me?" <laughs> She's a monkey handler, so sometimes oh he really gets it right. You made a super <laughs> monkey sound, actually. That's pretty. Cool. I mean, you have to shriek at a story like that. No, it's so good. It's like that oh. first line of that story when he talks about drowning a mouse in a bucket. Mm. Right. Yes. So here we are. This is our first real one. Uh-huh. I think, you think, uh, we all uh-huh. think. Um, and I'm here sitting in front of a touchscreen computer that I've had, to, or laptop, that I've had to turn the touch off of because it gets too frenetic. <laughs> and I have a keyboard, an actual physical keyboard that doesn't connect to the computer. <laughs> Missing the same. Okay. <laughs> so just know, just know just that it's a struggle for me. Keyboards. And oh, I yeah. could at any time upgrade my computer. I could get a different keyboard. I could potentially get a wireless mouse so that I don't have like six wires in front of me. But I am overcome by this thing that I think happens to a lot of us, which is we kind of accept what we're given, right? Mm. And as mm-hmm. things break down, other things become more important to fix. So this podcast that we're doing is something that's special, that's for us. And the tools I need for it, my keyboard without the C, <laughs> my laptop with a functioning screen. <laughs> These things are important, but I haven't, I haven't <laughs> fixed them. I have two stories that go along with that. One, I just spent $40 to send you candy corn. Yeah. I probably should have bought you a mouse and a keyboard. Yeah. A keyboard more than a mouse, but yeah. The candy corn was worth it. Oh my God. I've eaten all the so, that's so that leads us to the fact that you are in the UK and I am stateside. Which I think is important as we mm-hmm. segue into our key point of discussion tonight. Because but I want to, I just want to yeah. stall real quick. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. No just way. going back. I was speaking to a friend of mine who is, um, who does not have children. It's a dear man, dear friend of mine. And he, I was telling him kind of how my day goes and how I don't sleep anymore. And he said, well, when do you have time to go to the bathroom? And I said, well, you just kind of wait until it hurts really bad. Mm. And then, or you get a you, stadium pill. Or, right. Yeah, a good callback. But it just, it just, I think that the, that the point I'm trying to make is that when you, like as a woman and then as a mother, Mm. you, you are always last, no matter what, what your needs are. So like the fact that you have a C-list keyboard and no mouse 
is not shocking. Like I have a mouse, Jenny, but Hmm. it's cable. Like everything that's here is like the claptrap of a, you know, a bachelor man in his 70s who really doesn't care about going on the internet or the computer. And these are just bits that his nephews gave to him one Christmas in the 90s. That's what I have around me. Sounds to me like you should have good scotch. Mm. Well, that's a a conversation for another time. But because we are in two different locales around the globe, we are both experiencing what everyone's experiencing, which is the global pandemic. But we are experiencing it in different ways because our governments are dealing with it differently. But I think one thing that is proving to be true is that the ultimate losers from this pandemic are working women. Surprise, surprise. Other than the people, obviously, whose lives have been affected and by the illness itself and, and have gotten ill or, or um, died because of it. I mean, that's loaded just simply because, not to derail you completely, but because in the United States, are, <clears throat> there's not much support. So there's a lot of folks who who yeah. are in danger of losing everything. So I think working women, there is, there is a, a definite edge, which I'm super excited to discuss with you. There is definitely like a heavier weight that's on them, but also we have to acknowledge that there are a lot of folks that have lost their jobs, have lost their healthcare, have lost... Um, you know, it's disproportionately affecting, um, people of color and other marginalized groups. So, you know, there's that, but that's the disclaimer, but yes, but working, working women and working mothers are definitely being introduced to a new kind of hell. Tell me about it. So recently there was an article put out by Lean In. Um, in the Wall Street Journal, um, and was the research done by Lenin and McKinsey, or was it McKinsey and then Lenin responded to it? Do you know? I'm not sure. Okay, so I think that they it was like I think that McKinsey released the information and then Lenin maybe responded to it, and then the Wall Street Journal article kind of summarized it, but. Okay. I think that the things for me that stood out were that working mothers are doing an extra 20 hours of labor per week, be it childcare or work or, um, and that, that although we've been seeing this boon of senior level women in the workplace because of all the, the efforts and all of the fighting that we've all done to keep women in the workplace, um, to, to expand the support that actually senior level women, as opposed to their male counterparts are 1.5 times more likely to leave the workplace because of the strain of this recent season. Wow. Um, and the sad thing is, is that they're seek they're they're actually, um, what I read was that they are citing burnout as the reason, mm. but they're disproportionately on the hook when projects are failing in this time, which come on, that's absolutely ridiculous. And I see it. I see it in real time. And then obviously not to diminish at all because it is such a huge problem. 
um, black women are of course disproportionately affected because their communities are being impacted much more, Mm. um, just because of healthcare. And I mean, there's so many reasons. And then on top of everything, there's the civil rights issues that are going on during this pandemic at the same time. So So you're just, which is just, I mean, I don't, and then, so. and then you're battling from the the constant impact of systemic racism. So right. it means that in your areas there are more um, there's there's less access to affordable health care. Mm-hmm. There's more um, food desert, and there is right. less um, community control in the sense of taking care of each other and and that welfare space because you're constantly um, being attacked. By the people that are right. meant to protect you. And there's there's also like in, in this article they cited that black women are more likely to feel excluded or targeted by their workplace. Oh my God. Of course. For negativity. But of I think course. I think that just to kind of draw it back to <clears throat> I think it's very interesting that senior level women are one point five so hundred and fifty percent more likely, right? I mean, to leave yeah. than men. Is that right? Does that is that the Yeah, I mean I've got I've got some statistics from McKinsey here as well which say women's jobs right now are 1.8 times more vulnerable than men. Wow. In, that's global. Why? Does it I mean um, it doesn't matter, well, right? It also goes on. It's just this is what they're finding when they're mm. looking at it as a global picture because they're seeing that women make up 39% of global employment, but they account for 54% of the overall job losses. And and one of the main reasons for this, as we have spoken about before, is the fact that this virus increases the burden of unpaid care, which yeah. women disproportionately carry. So 70% of the global unpaid care that takes place is mm-hmm. done by women. Of course. So when you have more sick people at mm-hmm. home, more sick children, more sick elders, you as a woman are usually the one who earns less statistically if mm-hmm. you're in a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, you will be the one who's asked to, to take the time away from your job. Uh, right. So- and then depending yeah. on where you live, there's no, like, even if you could afford childcare, which is oh, yeah. in, in the United States is exorbitantly expensive. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I know it is where you are Same as well. Thing, yeah. So um, I know that like, you have there's there's you don't even have the option to give to give your money away because there are so many places that are shut down. So it's like childcare isn't even an option for for some folks. So of it's like how, whose how job many, is on the line? How yeah. many women do you know? Because I I know a few who have said they really wanted to go back to work after they had kids, but they couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. many many can you many a man and I've never heard a man say that. No. No. Although I was shocked when Alex, my husband, tried to, when he returned to work because he took a year off with our middle child, when he came back, a woman said to him, you're behind on industry knowledge (laughs) because you were out of the workforce. That's nice. I love it when women do that. Which was, which he was able, which I mean, yeah, no, that's like, you know, eating the patriarchy and like Uh, spitting it back out. So. But it just was like, really, what are you going to miss in a year? Like, come on. 
Like he'll come. It's it's the fact it's this that new people. Revolution, Jenny. It happens every year, and once you have a baby, you forget it. You're not part of the revolution. Well, no, I told you that story about that recruiter that I spoke to who said that a woman had come back to work, but she wasn't really back because all she was doing was thinking about her baby. Yeah, it's a real pain, right? And I didn't say anything, and oh, I, no. I will say something. But this is what we talk about. But time. like I, but even I who feel, I mean, I'm, I'm a fighter for this. I'm a fighter for women. And this is why we're doing this podcast this is why we're writing a book to help women in the workforce. I was silenced by that moment. And I sh- like, I should have been like, dude, fuck right off with that shit. Yeah. All too fast. Anyway. So we're talking about women dropping out of the workforce. So what does that do? What is that? I mean, just as a global picture, we know that McKinsey is estimating that global GDP will be $1 trillion lower in 2030 than it would have been if women's employment simply tracked that of men in each of their sectors. But if right now governments made the effort to advance gender equality, and that is easily done by altering your hiring processes so you encourage mm. diverse hiring, increasing women on leadership teams, making sure you pay women and men equally, uh, prioritizing work-life balance because women, especially working mothers, have to do that. And making sure that you have strict and effective harassment and workplace offense policies. There's mm. five easy things you can do to advance gender equality. They're like basic you're a good human things that you do that you can carry into the workplace that would add $13 trillion into the global GDP by 2030. It's so easy. Right. But you say it's easy, but it doesn't that stuff sound like easy things that you would do at a workplace, right? Why wouldn't you want a diverse team? It is it's statistically known that a diverse team at any company makes it more valuable. That That's that's one of the main linchpins that Carolina um, Criado Perez puts into her book, Invisible Women, which is an amazing book talking mm. about the statistics behind how women get left out of every single part of our society. Um, it's fantastic to look at, but it is one of the linchpins when you're talking about a business and a corporate, uh, in a corporate sense, making itself future-proof is diversity. But I digress. So there's that. No, no, I don't think you should digress. I think we should stay there. I want to talk about why employers don't do it. Because... Do they view it as more expensive? Like, yeah. why? Like, yes. why? Okay, so so why... Let's start with number one. What? Tell me, tell me the reasons. Let's go through them one by one and you talk, talk about, about why they don't do it. Diverse hiring. So... In, um, in my experience, this is all going to be anecdotal now Perfect. Okay, because I'm not pulling. I prefer it that way. I know you yeah. do, but you know what I'm like. So I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the anecdotal information would say that there is, there will always be an enclave of what we call the old school who, when they see diverse hiring patterns coming into place, will become really vocal about it, right? And they'll roll their eyes and say, oh, this new PC thing, everything has to be PC. And men 
Do you experience, sorry to cut you off. Do you experience that as much? Oh my gosh, Jennifer. Across the farm. Okay, that's right. <laughs> no, and I work in tech, so I mean, I get it. But at the same time, like, I feel like. Oh yeah. I see, I see that a lot in almost every aspect of life in America right now with like the eye rolling at the PC-ness. So, and or people yeah. being woke. Okay. So keep going. Sorry. So go it's ahead. that kind of a thing, right? So mm-hmm. it's very much on the back of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that problem with diverse hiring. Okay. And there, you remember after, um, uh, uh, the sort of equal opportunities policies where when you talk about yep. making sure that people that are being hired are the best for the job, regardless of, mm-hmm. of where they come from. So you take someone's sex and someone's name off of a resume or a CV, mm-hmm. depending on where you do it, and mm-hmm. you will get almost universal equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But if you if you put any of those markers back on, I mean, you could still get ageism, couldn't you? So there's, I, I don't know, there's always going to be factors that are going to, people are going to interpret but right. diverse hiring is a simple thing to do. And it, it rests in the hands of the HR, it rests in the hands of the recruiters, and it rests in the hands of the directors to make sure that what's being put in front of them is is adequate. Um, right. And and is and is intersectional as possible. So we, we go on to increasing women on leadership teams. And that Well, I think hold on. I'm just gonna hiring. I'm just gonna like throw in my two cents on the, yeah. on the first one. So yeah. I feel like it just requires more effort from folks. It's not more expensive. It's not harder. It just requires that you actually think about things and, and perhaps confront your innate, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Oh my gosh. I wish I would have slept more than three hours last night. Um, I don't know. I'm going to get there. You just have to confront the factors that are blinding you to other folks. Like if you read a resume and it's, it's a name that at in some point has been a name that you've decided is belongs to a person of color. As an HR person, you have to be aware that like you have these, you have these preconceived notions in your head and you have to work harder to not throw out a resume simply because of the name on it, whether it's a woman's name, a person of color or some sort of, right? I mean, yes. so any type of discriminatory practices that you have normalized in your life Like you just have to work a little bit harder. I feel like I just want to speak to those people. Like as we're going through this list, like it's not, it doesn't cost you more money. It doesn't take more time. Just make sure that when you are, when you are narrowing down the field and like a good resume is a good resume, but like just it can't all, it can't all be John Smith. Oh God. John Smith is so fucking boring. I mean, Um, I don't know a John Smith. We support John Smith's, but in this moment, perhaps couple more names besides John Smith. Right. Well, but he might be the most qualified. He might. Okay. Second, second, go ahead. Knowing what we know from The word I couldn't find was discrimination. I've apparently like blocked that. Okay. Sorry. Can I say this one thing that knowing what we know from research as well is that men will go for a job when they're 60% qualified. Women will go for a job when they are 90% or higher qualified. So when you choose a John Smith, just know that there's a Jane out there who's shit tons better than him. Jane, Joanne, Natalie, Natasha. Yeah, yeah, I was just trying to find an equal. Okay. Okay. So I think you actually, are you sure about that statistics? I think it's actually 30%. Nope. I think men are at, okay. Well, good for them. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So increasing women on leadership teams is the second one. Uh-huh. I mean, that's pretty simple. You look at your leadership team and if the only woman that is at a directorial level is the woman that works in HR, which again is a, is, is a caring role within a company, right? You yeah. Nurturing role of the people. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, you need to have more women. And if you think, okay, so this, I'm going to harken back to the, what the Wells Fargo CEO said not that long ago, that Mm. there was no black talent out there for him to recruit, which we know is not the truth. He does not support policies for hiring that are um, anti-discriminatory. So he will never see it because his, the hiring policies are racist. And prejudice and misogynist and every ist that you can think of, right? Mm. So if you are working... In when did he say that? Do you know? Like two weeks ago. Mm. It was everywhere. Where were you? <laughs> I mean, probably <laughs> super tired somewhere. I know, honey. Okay. So, um, okay, so I think one thing that does need to be said on this is that mentorship is so key for women to f- see themselves um, and also f- for women to see what they want to become. So one of mm. the main things, speaking anecdotally again, I was always told um, when I would go to these sort of ladies gen, young gen uh, construction meet and greet things, which are horrific. Um, that you needed to find a mentor because working in a male-dominated industry is very difficult and you need to have someone to bounce ideas off of. Unfortunately, mentors are pretty thin on the ground and women who work usually have kind of a lot on their plates because when women... So working women who are in relationships have quite a lot on their plates anyway. And I don't know if you know this, but if you, women who had a heart attack healed less quickly than men because no one was taking care of them. And that's not just working mothers, that's working women in relationships. So the only woman who in a corporate setting, in a corporate sense, is as equal as any man working in that corporate setting, I'm trying to be really careful here, is what's known as an unattached woman. A woman who is single, has no relationship, and does not have to provide unpaid care. Mm -hmm. That is a very rare, not rare, but that's a very young and a very niche, typically, experience. So we're Mm -hmm. thinking of a woman in her 20s, maybe. Right. Well, I had a, I had a job once where I, I, um, was not happy with my role. So I created a new role and a woman that I was close to who knew I created that new role for myself actually went in and like interviewed for that role. And I was pregnant at the time said, I'm not pregnant. I'm not in a relationship. I will be more valuable to you than she will. Well, no, I mean, there we go. She was onto a winner, right? Because she's basically, I mean, you talk about eating the patriarchy and shitting it out. Huh. 
Yeah. You, you can't. I said spitting. Oh, sorry. Well, I should. <laughs> but do it. I mean, do whatever you want with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I feel I don't. I I had animosity towards her at the time, but now I feel bad about that whole situation because what type of? I mean, we know, but like how terrible that that's what she felt like she had to do to get ahead. But again, this is this is doubling down on the notion that there are only so many seats for women at the table. Right. Which again is why we can see white women not supporting um, women of color, black women. Right. Any but women in general, yeah. yeah. Women in general not supporting each other because they feel like they're having to fight for that seat. Mm-hmm. Don't you don't need one seat. Everyone can have a seat. Lots of seats. RBG. Mm. all nine feet anyway nine feet but i also have to say about the mentorship thing i think that women need to be if you find a mentor or someone that is helping you with your career be harder on them ask for what you need don't be afraid to say i'm having a problem with this situation yeah like as much as women that are in senior positions need to be open to mentorship Women that are in more junior positions need to reach out to women who they respect or men. I mean, I had a wonderful male mentor and I didn't lean hard enough on him. Yeah. I didn't ask for what I needed and I should have because I was so afraid of saying the wrong thing, of rocking the boat. And like early on in my career, that was the time to do it. I mean, now is still the time to do it. Now is the time to ask questions. Now is the time to figure out what you don't know and what you need to work on, especially if you want to stay in the workforce. I mean, I go back to this, the senior level women that are 1.5 times more likely to leave their jobs because they're burnt out. Like ask for help, figure out the ways that you can be delegating rather than doing this thing that I think women tend to do which is just take it all on and they have this loyalty and they will work themselves into the ground because they feel like they have to. And that's not how everyone, that is not how everyone works. Nope. And that's not realistic and it's not sustainable. No, it's not, but it's like a, it's a global pill that we've all been swallowing, right? Where we have to be accessible 24 hours a day. That's another thing that was in this article, right? Like women have to, they feel like because they're working from home, they 24 seven, they're on the clock. And that's absolutely not true. No, no, no. It's not, well, it's not necessary. Um, and, and I think that goes to point four about prioritizing work-life balance, but, but, but so Mm -hmm. we've we've said diverse hiring, we've said increasing women on leadership teams slash Mm -hmm. mentoring. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and then the third point is equal pay. Why is that so hard? Where, where's harassment? That's the number five. One. Oh, okay. Number five. Super excited for harassment. Okay. I, I know. So, what, okay, where are we again? We're number three, which is equal pay. Equal pay. So, so mm, you go. I was going to say, occasionally, when I have put myself forward for a raise or asked for equal pay, because as a woman who works in the construction industry, I female project managers are a little bit thin on the ground. There are more, there are more than there were, but they're still um, very thin on the ground. So I have a confiding nature. People seem to like to tell me secrets, um, especially my male, my male project managers like to tell me how much money they make. So 
I've always been in a good position to be able to say, look, I, I need a raise because I know what my counterparts are making. And I've had it put back to me that I didn't have the experience or, uh, the, the man I was speaking about had been at the company for longer. Now, bearing in mind at this point, I, I do have a master's in construction management and none of those men had anything more than um, an NVQ, which is basically a, a training certificate, which is to say it's not anything to be sniffed at. But when we're talking about learning, we're talking about training, we're talking about education, I think a master's is on par with what they had. So I don't, I don't often think that that holds up. I think it's an easy one. And women are easily cowed by being told that they don't have what is, what is needed. Hence that statistics about needing, needing to be 90 to 95% ready or qualified for a job before (laughs) you go for it. I know just even hearing that statistics makes me, it makes me tense because I think why in God's name would I put myself forward for a job when I'm only 60% qualified? That was so here's the thing. Horrifying for me. So I'll put myself forward for a job when I'm only like 10% qualified and just see how it goes. I actually got a job once that I'd never done <laughs> and I figured it out. Um, so, so it can be done, lady. And I remember when I first got that job, a girlfriend of mine who actually was pretty high up, who, who like was young for her. I think she was a VP and she was very young for a VP title. She said, that is something a man would do. You are so brave. And at that time I was like, what, why is that? Great. Like why, and why would a man anyway? So naive. Um, but, but I do think that that's, that comes from kind of childhood and being programmed to like check all the boxes and do the right thing and like make Mm -hmm. sure that you're following all the directions. And that's, I think that that's just such a bummer because make mistakes. I think just working in tech and like kind of being from a startup a kind of a startup mentality, which is like move fast, break shit and like just fucking figure it out as you go. Mm. I think that I have benefited from, from that, um, from that mindset and like being able to play around in that because I don't think that a lot of women have that, but also, um, but I, I think that that's just women are allowing themselves kind of be told to be told what is expected of them and kind of going along the lines of that. Yeah, I agree. But equal pay. Just do it. Oh, equal pay. Just well, it. that's hard. It's hard. I've never negotiated for a role and I know that I should have. Mm-hmm. And when you don't negotiate for a role and you're being paid less than you were supposed to, you, you think about those extra dollars every yeah. time you're yeah. asked to do something you don't want to do. Absolutely. So yeah. absolutely. I completely agree. And the negotiation is important and you can bet your bottom dollar. We've had this conversation many times before when either one of us has been starting a new job. What will mm. the man do? Mm-hmm. What yeah, that's scary. Do? Um, and then we've got prioritized work-life balance, which again, that that can only be of benefit to women. It re- I mean, a man in general, when he works, and we're seeing this, with zoom calls with children in the background and people working from home and trying to figure out what that looks like. You get a lot more, again, anecdotal, uh, stories about women having to 
carry on with conferences in a room full of children while the husband, the partner is, is tucked away in a room not to be disturbed. Um, and that does seem to, to carry through. Women don't have wives. Women don't have a way, especially working mothers don't have a way to cut off at a time like this when everyone's in the house and, and create a space of their own that is completely isolated. So, so we're it's getting the lady without a C on her keyboard. Yeah, one hundred percent. Look at me. But I think that that has to do more with like traditional gender roles and that and that. Absolutely. I mean, that's a bigger issue which we will definitely yeah. speak about later. Absolutely. But I think it, it's scary and hard to demand more work-life balance when you work in a culture that does not respect that. So, yes. and I and I know that I have not been selected for jobs because I asked questions about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that that's, that's something that yes, women can, women can make an effort to make sure that they are logging off and like being done for the evening rather than being available 24 seven. But at the same time, that's something that the tide has to shift within the corporate world to actually allow that. And not just in small towns, it has to be, New York, LA, London, like it has to be in the places that are, that are running the corporate world, right? Like that, mm -hmm. yes. you know, and it, and you can't just work someone into the ground, but that, I mean, that's a whole, that's like a humanitarian issue. Right. And I think that especially with like, as we see what happens with the pandemic as financially, because I think a lot of companies are about to start laying people off, things are about to get worse and not better. And so yeah. demanding that work-life balance, I mean, for, for me, I think that that's a scary one. And I, I feel like, I mean, that one's, I don't know. Well, so, so here's. In theory, it's wonderful. Yes. It is wonderful. But here's what's, here's some hard data. Just, this is UK based, obviously, but I, I think you, you'll find that there's a, a universality to it, which is that, um, 75% of the furloughed male workers in the UK were topped up beyond their 80% government cap. So there's a furlough scheme over here, which meant that you got uh, a portion of your salary and you didn't have to work and the government paid your company. Now, if the company wanted to, they could top up a person's uh, wages to... Um, in order to not have to get such a hit. So we're saying 75% of furloughed male workers had their wages topped up. 65% of female workers did. I asked. To have topped, topped up, up to what? Topped up to like 100% of your salary? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you were paid what as your like, because like the, the American equivalent is 80%. unemployment, which yeah. is, which maxes out at like 400 bucks a week. Yeah. So it's not, it's not loads. I think the most anyone could make was two grand. A month. Okay. Yeah. With the top up or not? That's without the top up. So then on top of that, so I think the most people can make here, what, that's 450 times four. Okay. So 1800 was the most yeah. you could make. But okay. I, I've so not heard of a top up with a furlough. I mean. Yeah. So okay. men getting that more than women. And also working mothers in the UK were were 47% more likely to have permanently lost their jobs mm. or resigned as a result of this. And mothers in two-parent households were doing on average a third of the uninterrupted paid work hours of fathers. 
Mm. So we're and and also seeing that mothers, working mothers, did paid work for an average of six point three hours each weekday, and that's now reduced to four point nine hours. And this is suggesting that women are working, but less likely to dedicate or less able to dedicate time to work because of childcare responsibilities. So this work-life balance is being forced on us whether we want it or not. It is happening to us whether we want mm-hmm. it to or not. Are, are there figures about men? Like are men affected at all or no? In what uh, you've uh, No, there aren't any numbers for that. Okay. Interesting. Mm. So the no, purpose- I mean, it is, it is hard. It's hard to work when there's kids around. Yes. Very hard. I mean, I've been... I've been very lucky to, to have, you know, my partner lost his job and, and I, I'm, I'm the one that's working, but I'm, I'm stopping my day to do childcare and I'm, I'm not working at my full capacity because there's kids everywhere. Yeah. You got a lot of kids. Which is arguably is my fault, but both your faults shared. Shared fault, shared responsibility. Um, so, and, and then, and then, this the strict and effective harassment workplace offense policies. That's well, I think it's yeah. Let's let's do harassment next week because I we're we're going too long, and I feel like there's a lot to say about that. Um, it, but I its own yeah conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So hopefully. Hopefully there, there are some nuggets in here that people can take back to their lives and not feel like they're going crazy because things just feel so unbalanced right now. Cause they are unbalanced. They've been unbalanced and yeah. we have to fight. We have to fight for, you know, the recognition of the imbalance, right? Yes. I think that's the most, the gaslighting yeah. is. Yes. Strong. There we go. So. The gaslighting is strong with this one. So <laughs> the the gaslighting is the main thing. And so what I what I wanted to say to combat gaslighting, one of the greatest things you can do is arm yourself with knowledge. So McKinsey has got some amazing global statistics, some amazing U.S. statistics. Shoe Smiths have some amazing U.K. statistics. There's a lot of information out there about what's happening to women right now. Uh, and if you're like me. Yeah. Just the thought of looking that stuff up is so overwhelming. <laughs> so maybe we can throw stuff up on our social, like on yes, our, we can yes. throw links up on our facial, on our facial, on our Facebook, facial. our Instagram, yeah. our Twitter, like just give you some resources that you can kind of click through and arm yourself. Cause I think that, you know, one of, one of the things at least, and I really want to do this is that we really want to have a conversation with our 20 something selves that entered yeah. the workforce and we're so green and so naive and felt so isolated in our, in our ignorance. Yeah. in our ignorance, I wanted to say isolated in our suffering. And that sounds so melodramatic, but like, but it's so good, though, right? Isolated <laughs> in my suffering. That's like such a good metal band. Hello, walls, um, <laughs> no, but I think that, I think that what, what are, what we want to do and we hope that you'll, that you'll continue to go on this journey with us as we kind of talk through these things. We want to arm you with knowledge and in that knowledge, there's power. And we just want you to know that you are not alone. You are not going crazy. Like it is happening. This shit is stacked against you and you can be armed to have the conversations you need to have 
And you're going to help to speak truth into the situations that you're experiencing. That way, the path is lit for you and also those that come down, come down the path behind you. Because we're fighting a lot of the same fights that we were fighting 60 years ago. And that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. However you want to say it. Like you could say it right. You could say it wrong. You could say all the things. Anyway, we just want to help empower you, empower women in your life, empower the women around you, and just help equip you with the knowledge so that you know that you're not crazy, that you're being, that, that, that this is the truth and that you're being gaslit and it's not right. 100%. Okay. I like to, I like to tell a story. You like to tell a story. I like to tell a statistic. Between the two, thank you so much for listening yes, thank you. to this whole thing. It's much longer than we expected, and you know what? We're gonna we come back you. at you next week. We love you. Thank you so much. We love you. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night.